Hello, welcome to Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and I'll be your host for this television series. UMGA TV and the Historical Society are continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who lived the history of Upper Marion Township to tell us about that history. This edition features Don Real. Don tells us about moving to Upper Marion as a representative for a national drug company. He became an active member of King of Prussia and Swedesburg Fire Companies, then successfully ran for local district justice. Let's sit back and listen to Don remember when. Well, Don, uh, thanks for coming to join us today for Remember When. It's my pleasure. Uh, where were you born, Don? A place called Kingston, New York, Kingston, New York. right on the Hudson. Okay. And uh, how long did you live there? First 23 years of my life. Okay. And I see. Then, then what did you do after the first 23 years of your life? Well, I moved to Syracuse, New York. Mm -hmm. And from Syracuse, I came to Upper Marion Township. And what year was that? 1959. 1959. The, uh, and why did you come up Well, I was transferred to this area by A.H. Robbins, the pharmaceutical house, as a detail man, and this was the best location at the time. I see. And uh, the, what areas did you cover here in, in the uh, King of Prussia area? Mostly the Delaware Valley, including Chester County and Delaware County and Montgomery County. You had a pretty large area to cover then. Yeah, calling on doctors and hospitals and dentists and pediatricians. And and how long did you continue uh, with uh, uh, A. H. Robbins? Oh, I guess it was about nine years. And um, then what happened? Then I started running for office after being on the planning commission for years. I see. Well, tell us a little bit about your planning commission experiences. My planning commission started in 1961 and pro progressed till 1965. Mm -hmm. So very local well-being fellows were on it. Who were, who were some of the other people on the plane? Frank Osinski was the real estate person. And Ray Wenger was the engineer. Tom Berriman was the attorney. And uh, myself as a nothing, a nudnik. And Frank Lenny, the sign person, he was on it. That was the board at that time. And uh, what were some of the uh, uh, things that you were involved in as part of that planning commission? Well, it would be too numerous to, to say at that time things were really opening up and they were going all over the place. And mm -hmm. as you know, the planning commission does the legwork and does the processing as to the approval or not. But the pr final approval is from the commissioners. Right. Well, there any big projects that you can think of? Well, back then we had Corvettes and Acme, the two biggest stores. And everybody was coming in then, Wanamakers and the rest of them, uh, to progress into the area here. Well, most of that was with the, the King of Pasha Plaza then. Yes. There was some action down the Old Valley Ford Shopping Center. A&P was still there. Penfruit was there. Penfruit moved out. Grants came in. Right. And some other smaller stores. Hardware store was there. And, of course, Perry's Delicatessen was evident. Uh, any re residential developments that you were uh, uh, involved with? Yeah, residential developments would be the uh, late booming Lafayette Hills, Lafayette Park, I mean. Yeah, what year was that, do you recall? Well, that was during the 60s. It was, it was started before I came here, but there was just the growth started there in Bob White Farms and other places that were growing very, very fast. 
and there had to be some approvals for planning commission before they could go ahead. The, um, were the how did these meetings go? Were they smooth, or did they have? Uh, there was a lot of discussion that uh, was uh, back and forth. Had how, how did that uh, transpire? Well, the meetings were held in the township building, which was the old building on the corner of uh, Allendale Road and, and 202. It was the old this Union School. Area. Yeah, school, right. That's where everything took place. We weren't, weren't so bad at that time. Uh, there was most of the... Paul Flynn was the township manager, and uh, there was a lot of things that we overlooked. Uh, we just went ahead because there was nobody laying the law down as far as going through the stop proper procedures. So we, we didn't do anything illegal, but there was hedging here and there to rush things through. Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of pressure at the time to, to bring these things along? Well, it wasn't so much pressure because everybody was just tapping us as new, uh, new place to live, new ground. And uh, it was intense, but not tractional. Or mm -hmm. Nobody was getting mad at anybody. Right. How many times a week did you, did you meet in order to cover this work? Well, we met regularly one time, once a week or every month. And then sometimes we had more, but a lot of times we had, we went out and sat, we were very diligent in our work. We went out Saturdays and walked things off to see if uh, it was properly planned for, so mm -hmm. the stakes were in the right place. And we would advise the supervisors and they would vote accordingly. Who was on the board of supervisors at the time, do you recall? Well, I think Bill Ross was just going off. Blaine Scott was on it, Frank Faley. At that time it was only a three man board early in the sixties came a five-man board, mid-60s, a little before, somewhere between 60 and 65, became a uh, five-member board. Right. Um, let's see, in the late 60s, I guess it was Chuck Volpe was, became, was on the board at that time? I believe he was. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, the house we moved into was uh, in 1963, so it was, uh, uh, was sort of Chuck's last work here in, in uh, Yeah, he Mary. was around all of them. And he was very involved, of course, in a lot of the of, of the uh, developments that were. That were I'm building. not sure when he first became a supervisor, but he was made his presence known by his building right. progress. Uh, remember the Sweetbriar area? Was that part of uh, some of the area? Sweetbriar was established before I got on the planning commission, but it was I was growing. And did later on, you became uh, involved in uh, for justice at that time, or did you run for other? Uh, I, for, I became district justice in '75. Okay. Did you run for any other offices? Well, way back when they were going to increase the number of supervisors from three to five, I put my name down as a Democratic candidate for the new seat, but uh, Frank Lenny and I were going to run as the potential candidates, but they had other things in mind, Republican-wise. Uh -huh. That's why I was still a Democrat. I see. <laughs> All right. And uh, then the, the uh, what year was that, do you recall, when that was? That was in the middle of 62. It was in the middle of 62. And then um, when did you start to run for justice? 74. 74. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Can you uh, recall the, some well, of the events? It was an time? opening. The other individual was no longer in, in office. It was vacant. Mm -hmm. So I said to my wife one day, I'm going to further myself, my testimony or my actions to the township by running for district justice. So I ran for district justice. And uh, I got elected, got elected, got elected. Then I had to retire at 70. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the process of uh, getting yourself elected. Well, the process is a file. You get a 10, 100 signatures on your, on your petition mm -hmm. and file that with the county courthouse. And then you just go from door to door like any other office and, and get elected. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, you did this sort of a grassroots type of campaign where you went out and shook hands in the neighborhoods, right? Yes. Well, we, the 74, 75 was the first true district justice uh, election. In 1969, the Constitutional Convention in Pennsylvania changed it from just justice of the peace to district justice. Went from a fee-based job to a salary job. And those that were in in 1970 were grandfathered in until the next election. So the first full-time election for district justice was 74, 75. The, um, how did your kid, uh, did you have to run against anybody at that time? When and the first uh, go around, there was uh, five candidates because it was open. There was Amy Sosnoff was a female attorney. I say female attorney because I want to justify the name Amy. I don't want to become a prejudice. And Hunter Robinson. Right. And uh, Bob, Bob Throm, another fellow. And... Uh, was one, there was one other one. It was five of us running. And uh, Amy Sostoff won the Democratic ticket, and I won the Republican ticket. So we had a runoff, and I won. And uh, Amy Sostoff won the Democratic ticket, and I won the Republican ticket. So we had a runoff, and I won. That was quite a crowded field when you when you think about the five people. Yes, it was. Armand Bieto was the other one, okay. local merchant. Yeah. What was your uh, secret of winning? Well, we had slogans. Uh, I think that uh, we used the slogan from time to time that uh, vote for real, are you for real, and uh, vote for real justice. I think I capitalized on my name mm -hmm. throughout the years. and it, uh, But the big thing was the grassroots, going from door to door and uh, asking for the vote explaining to the people that this was the first full-time election for the district justice and no longer justice of the peace it would be district justice how many months was involved uh, was involved in your campaign well you had a you had to campaign the primary to get yourself in the party backing so from february to november for that one year was the time it took so you're looking at uh, eight months there uh, nine months uh, as far as your campaign was concerned that's right yeah you spend most of the time uh, going from door to door at that time? Well, Did best I could. My wife and my friends took care of that because I was traveling quite a bit uh, in my position. When you had your district court, uh, where did you hold court? Well, first building was the Kunda Sign, old Kunda Sign Company, right on the borderline of Bridgeport and Upper Marion. Uh, who's in there now? It's an empty house now. Pardon me? It's an empty house now. Oh, is it? They added a courtroom years ago, and aside to that, Right, it's a rug, right next door to the rug uh, company. Can't think of the name of it. Then we moved to Henderson Road, where they are now. Uh, where are they located now on Henderson Road? Right across from the mobile station there. That, uh, used to be... Uh, I forget what it used to be. It used to be a company out of uh, Conchahawken. You go out Henderson Road just before you get to... Uh, Shoemaker Road, it's right there. It's almost on the corner of Shoemaker and Henderson. The court could be pretty busy, I would imagine. Well, years ago, the first few years I was in office, I had the whole Magella, so to speak, and uh, all the shopping centers, the plazas, the courts, and the overweights with the trucks and everything that was happening in the area. Then they made my area two just district justice area. They cut it in half, so it made it much more manageable. I had nine secretaries at one time. 
You kept nine secretaries busy. Well, it, it had to be happening. It wasn't me, but with so many citations coming in, and, and all those citations have to be processed and taken care of by somebody. And right. So it didn't mean my workload was that much more. We got to, they had to be filed and uh, properly located. Well, could you tell me about a typical day, what, uh, uh, how your court ran? Well, you schedule as far as best you can, and even times, so many hearings a day. And you can, we tried to try to mix them up. Instead of having all the one kind of day, we'd have a few traffic, a few civil landlord tenants, civil cases regarding uh, money's owed for work done. And, and a day would be probably 20 hearings of mixed bags, so to speak, from motor vehicle to uh, $8,000 civil action. And uh, a l little bit about the process. Uh, somebody, uh, 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 well, suppose it, say it with the traffic, uh, uh, traffic citation. The, the police officer writes a traffic citation. And then uh, how's it go from there as far as you're concerned? Back of the citation advises the defendant what to do. Plead guilty, plead not guilty, and send the amount of money in that the prescribed on the front and they'll set a hearing date for you, or a trial date, whatever word you want to use. Mm -hmm. How long is your term of office? Six years. Six years. And uh, you were reelected, uh, 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 the first, the first go around was in, would be in the mid-1970s. Yes. And how did that second uh, campaign go? Well, I didn't know much because there was nobody running against me. Uh, on either side of the, of the ticket, huh? I was all alone. Okay. Which is a good sign and a bad sign. <laughs> well, it makes it certainly makes it easier to campaign, I'm well, sure. You still, you got to show yourself, still to hang around because sure. uh, you'll need them in the future. Right. You've been uh, justice for, you said, five times? Well, counting Lower Marion. Lower Marion. Okay, well, how many times were you here? Uh, you were four, 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 four here in Upper Marion. And uh, how about that third, your third uh, campaign? Well, there was one fellow that ran against me, and uh, I didn't think he had a prayer, but just like uh, General Custer said, remember, man, we don't take any prisoners. Mm -hmm. And uh, I made sure that I was elected. I really campaigned with my people, my fireman friend in Swedesburg and King of Prussia. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, talking a little bit more about your, your experience as a uh, justice, anything uh, that particular note during those first years of being a justice? Well, one of the classic hearings I had was the Plowshares 8, the, the Berrigan brothers. Tell us about that. How that, uh, how that all evolved? Well, the Berrigan brothers were arrested for putting allegedly real blood on the nose cones. And quite frankly, it turned out to be chicken blood. They were just fooling you. But, uh, we had to have the preliminary hearing. There were many, many charges, and we used the township building here for the hearing. And uh, we wouldn't let the press in or TV cameras or anything else. Right. We had to find out just what they were going to do. And of course, logically, they didn't do what I thought they would do. So illogically, or what they thought, I had to hold them over for trial. Mm -hmm. Well, who were the Berrigan brothers? There were two Berrigan brothers who were... I'm trying to think what... Not being Catholic, I'm trying to think what the association they had with the New York diocese. Well, they were priests, but I don't. Yeah, they were priests, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, what, what uh, they were held for court in the, yes. my court, and finally got to trial and got sentenced, and later on that was overturned. Um, and what year was that again? Uh, I'm, uh, 
Let me see, 76, 77, probably 77, 78. The, uh, uh, when, as I, re so I can recall reading in the newspaper some of their activities, and at the time they were involved, GE was the... Uh, GE was the one they were picketing against. Right, and it was the nose cones, and the, what were these nose cones for? Missiles. Yeah, for missiles. And uh, they had actually broken into the, did they actually break into the... Well, they, the they, they broke in. They broke in. There was a stairway outside. They broke in there, and then they were on the roof and raising general de devil, devilment. And in fact, we had a helicopter out there watching their activity. But they uh, they got all the publicity they wanted, and they're still doing things. Uh, their their follow-ups, the Brandywine Peace Group, are still active. In fact, we had a helicopter out there watching their activity, but they uh, they got all the publicity they wanted, and they're still doing things. Uh, their their follow-ups, the Brandywine Peace Group, are still active. Is that now part of the Brandywine Peace Group? Yeah. yeah. And they were actually uh, the Berrigan brothers were actually sentenced, and then you said they were their, their sentence was overturned. Years down the line, they were sentenced, and uh, after serving a couple of years, each one of them uh, was overturned. But they had served a couple of years in jail for the offense. But the true reason for the overturning, I don't know. But, uh, justice will prevail. <laughs> and uh, any other particular instance you can think of in those early years besides the, the Plowshare 8? Well, we had the uh, principal of the high school, Jay Smith. I had the first preliminary hearing for him. Tell, us, had, tell I, us about Jay Smith. Well, Jay Smith uh, was... Uh, found in the Gateway Shopping Center with a mask and a couple of guns and why he was out robbing banks at night. You don't rob banks at night, you rob in the daytime. Anyhow, that started the whole thing. We had the we had the preliminary hearing on him. The preliminary hearing we had was actually for the Sears and Roebuck, two stores that were held up by himself. They presented the badges with his picture on and a name on his picture and a different name underneath. And uh, we, my courtroom wall were lined with pictures and frames and things that were taken from the high school and uh, missing from the high school, and they found them in Jay's house. Well, Jay Smith was uh, involved in a, in, a, in a series of problems, and uh, that first one, as you point out, was the... Uh, Sears and Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck. Uh, he was principal at the high school at the time, correct? Right. Um, the, uh, and this was in the 1970s? Yes. Yeah. And um, he was uh, uh, he was sentenced uh, for these. Uh, uh, he was convicted for the, both the robberies, and he was starting to serve his time. He was on his way to Harrisburg or the prison that he was going to. In fact, I saw him the morning he was leaving town, and that was the same afternoon they found the body of the teacher in the trunk of the car. He was ready to start his sentence, and he served his sentence. Uh, people forgot about that mm -hmm. for the more serious charge. Right. He uh, was involved here in this whole thing with Bill Bradfield and uh, uh, a number of other people, I guess. And, yes, uh, he was. I wasn't too deep into that because it already progressed to the higher higher court, being the serious nature of the charge. But uh, we had uh, the writer from California, the former detective, wrote a book. Right. Can't think of his name. He came into town, interviewed everybody. 
he was a former detective. I know he's a book. He writes books now. There were there were several books that were written about the whole incident. Yeah, uh, yeah. About the Jay Smith episode. Well, there is a movie that you can rent. You know, at the video store. It's called In the Court of In the In the King of Prussia. In, That's the title of it. It's a movie. Is it? I haven't seen that. It's been out for some time. People don't realize it's around. It's actual names of policemen, policemen and chiefs and everybody else. They use the actual name. And it's the, what's his name, the guy that has the show on TV now where he's president of the United States. He played the part of J.C. Smith. Yes. Oh, I have to look at that. It's, what's it called again? The In King, the King of Prussia. In the King of Prussia. That has to do with the Berrigas, not J.C. Smith, I'm sorry. Okay. Do you, do you recall anything about the uh, involvement of uh, J.C. Smith and uh, Bill uh, uh, as far as the, the murder was concerned? Well, of course, uh, my office, my court was a stopgap for all the troopers and everybody in the area coming in and seeing what's going on. And my files contained all the search warrants, all the search warrants for the initial arrests and the searching his house for the pictures and the things that were stolen from the high school, they eventually proved, were started at my court. So I was involved to that extent. And believe me, when you sign a search warrant, it has to be proper because uh, the defense counsel will kick it out if you don't. Uh, mm -hmm. So we had a lot of those. We had his... Uh, he had another individual I was associated with him that uh, waived the preliminary hearing the day after and had never been seen since. His name was Jones. He he just disappeared? Yeah, well, he was in, in Upper Derby when Jay Smith thought there. He was a librarian and they had a relationship questionable while he was in Upper Derby. So, uh, to jump around a little bit, but when they had the uh, goods of the Susan Roebuck, uh, evidently... Mr. Jones was a uh, part-timer in the summer for one of the uh, companies that picked up the monies. And they all emanated from his office. The uniforms, the fit, the timing, the schedules. I forget which company it was, but it was one of the companies that do the picking up monies and dispersing them. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I mean, it was like a... Pure later, one of those. Pure later, yeah. Brinks or some yeah, of those. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Evidently, Jay got the schedule from his old partner. The Jones you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jay got the schedule from him because he was still a librarian in Upper Derby at the time. They had a relationship that was questionable, that's all I'll say. Um, and, and you said they never found Jones again after that? No, his name's never been mentioned. The name's never been mentioned. Because mm -hmm. hmm. I don't even was completely unaware of. Uh, he came in to me, see me the day after the arrest, said his attorney said to waive the preliminary hearing. So he waived it. Anything unusual about the uh, these people that were arrested uh, for these crimes? No. Well, let me say about Jay Smith. People used to say uh, to me when I go somewhere and they say, you're from King of Prussia, up in Maryland, J.C. Smith, the principal, they'd start making derogatory remarks. How could you let that happen? Mm -hmm. I would say keep in mind that he was one star away from being a, a general in the National Guard, so he didn't have us fooled. He had everybody fooled. You said that the, you said his house was full of uh, things that were items were stolen. Yeah, uh, stolen from the school system, from the school itself, the high right, school. Right. And the, wall, the walls of my courtroom had them all hanging to show me. So he what, could, what was involved? Huh? Yeah, pictures and different things that uh, they just written off. I guess in the high school, saying that uh, somebody took them and they're gone, but he had them. Of course, my search warrants had to allow him to uh, to go in his house. The um, getting back to those second six years and the and the murders that were involved. Uh, can, would, can you think of any of the other murders that uh, occurred? 
Well, I know there was uh, multiple, but uh, I really can't. We have such an efficient police department in Upper Marion Township. The the notoriety and the press just clamped down with the way they run the things. Very exemplary police force. Uh, who was, uh, do you recall who was chief at that time? Well, Jack, uh, Clemory Dell came after Jack uh, Dunleavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Clemory Dell for most of the part. Jack died suddenly down in Florida. So Clem moved right in. And the, uh, the Boyle was before Dunleavy. And you said that all the police department worked very smoothly here. You, yeah, you yeah. were you mentioned earlier to me uh, before we got on camera that you thought that uh, that the police department seems to uh, be excellent and uh, seems to be improving every time uh, uh, we get a new chief. Well, all the chiefs have been fine. Uh, they just get better with the new ones coming in. And I, I dealt with police departments, uh, being on the education board for the Commonwealth uh, through the years, and I haven't found. Uh, any, any police department as good as Upper Marion. Any uh, unusual events occurred in the second uh, six years? Well, along with a couple of the murders, the homicides, uh, nothing too much that was eventful enough to Make the headlines. What, what, what are the murders you're talking about? Well, there was one of the Sunoco station down on 202 and Henderson Road where the clerk was stabbed to death. And uh, there was two or three others that I don't recall the dates or times, but uh, they became routine after a while. You said that originally you had had all of Upper Marion and and uh, and how much area did uh, did that also involve the Bridgeport area when you were yes, in the district? Yes, Bridgeport and West Conshohocken were I all see. part of it. All part of it. The big thing was the shoplifting cases were building and building, and then overweights were coming through the town, and they were getting those overweights, and you had to have people on call all the time. It was bad enough. I had nine secretaries staying busy with the with the paperwork. I didn't want to get to that position, so I petitioned the court administrator and the president judge of the Common Police Court in Montgomery County to help me out, but I halved it. As close, as close as they can, they gave half to one fellow and half to another fellow. Okay. Well, who was that that uh, you divided up the... Uh, it was Cowall and Bridgeport and Marushak and Upper Marion. I see. Yeah. Did you find it interesting? Very much so. Something new every day. I would think so. Anybody would do that for four six, six, four, six year terms would have to find it interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you wake up in the morning and... Uh, Say, what am I going to get today? And yeah. you go in the first case is a new one that you never heard. <laughs> so that makes your day. Right. Um, then your last, uh, you had another four-year, another six-year term. That would Lower, be your Lower Marion, working sometimes two days a week and other times one day a week. Yeah. You were working part-time down there? You call when you retire, and you have to retire at seven, you'll be called a senior district justice, and they send you where they need you on a per diem basis. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's, it's nice because uh, it's good. You make a decision and you're there as a temporary. You don't have to do any administrative work, so, but you make the decisions. I had six, seven good years down at Lower Marion. Where did you hold office down there? Narbeth Court. Narbeth Court. Down yeah. Montgomery Avenue. I see. You say you're on the uh, Board of Education? Yeah, there's a minor judiciary education board that's comprised of five individuals, three attorneys and two lay people, two lay attorneys, two lay judges. Uh -huh. And uh, I progressed in 18 years to chairman of the Education Board for the Commonwealth. Okay. What's, what are their duties? 
to see that uh, if, if you're not a lawyer, you're not an attorney, you want to be elected, you have to take a four-week course and pass it before you can be certified as a district justice. I see. And the board works on those those papers and we, we pick the uh, instructors and we pick the times and the, we do everything to get, make sure they get by, but they have to pass the four weeks to be certified as a district justice. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that program. Where do, where do they conduct that? Well, actually it's in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, where the headquarters for the district justice system is. Now it's in Mechanicsburg. And we would meet in many places. We would meet sometimes in King of Prussia, sometimes in Philadelphia, sometimes in Harrisburg, sometimes in Erie, mm -hmm. to get the feel of the whole system, to let the uh, district justice system know that we're not laying on any one person. We're going all over the state to make sure that people are adhering and progressing properly through the board. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about the training for uh, justice. It's a four-week certifying course. Mm -hmm. You must pass it. You must have a 70 to pass. If you don't, you can get one chance to come back and do it over. Mm -hmm. Well, what's involved in the, in, in the course? Well, real estate, uh, landlord-tenant, uh, preliminary hearings, uh, traffic violations, uh, non-traffic violations, uh, misdemeanors and felonies, preliminary hearings, uh, most everything. Everything has to go through the district court in Pennsylvania. The only thing that doesn't go through the court is the acute homicide case. That goes right to common police court. I see. And did they have that same program when you were first started to uh, run for uh, justice? Or is this something that yeah, was a little, it was a little uh, not too secure. We had to really pull on our horns and make it uh, proper because too many things were falling through the cracks. And we had a responsibility to this. We worked for directly for the Supreme Court with the board. As I say, for the last three years, I was chairman of the board. So meeting with the Supreme Court and keeping them happy was part of the job. Mm -hmm. Then when you, when you did your training, uh, uh, did you do it at, uh, here in King of Prussia or did you? No, I did it in Chambersburg. In Chambersburg. Four-way course. Uh, you attended the, actually a formal course right there. Right, in, there. right there in Chambersburg. We have to go, you have to go once a year for updating. And it's paid for by the state, by the Commonwealth. That's the runoff of the board establishing the reasons for staying in office. So it's one year certification training. You have to pass that course. Over the years, you've seen these changes in Upper Marion, I think. Uh, uh, what, what would you say would be the, the biggest change that you've seen in, uh, in terms of uh, the physical changes? That well, you've seen? I look at the present setup where we are now, the township building and the surrounding area, and I think that through the township manager, if need be, has done an exemplary job with getting the proper grant land and ground and getting Norview Farms and really making a nice, nice town out of it. Mm -hmm. Overall, it's been a wonderful situation. The only reason we moved out of the township is that we're looking for a place that uh, we finally found condominium. There's no condominiums in Upper Marion, but we had to, we went five miles away. But still close. <laughs> oh, yeah. Five miles. Yeah. We talked about the physical changes. Uh, what about the, the political changes and so on? How have you seen that over the years? Well, yeah, I don't think that the... Uh, I think that years ago, the political savvy was much more than it is now. It was much more infighting in a nice way. Everybody liked everybody. Everybody knew each other, and there was no down and dirty. It was all, uh, we'll get you this time. Bill Ross and the fellows like that have been around for years. Howard Walker, uh -huh. those guys that uh, built the township with their ethic, ethical way of running a politic, political campaign. 
It was uh, the positive campaigns at those times. That's what they were, positive campaigns. campaigns. And they're a pleasure, which unfortunately we don't see many of those anymore. No. Everybody was friendly before, during, and after. Yeah. That's true. That's good. All right. I think it was a good town to live in. Just to show you a little bit about the justice system, the old JP system before the 1996 uh, revolution, so to speak, there were 5,200 JPs in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Just to show you a little bit about the justice system, the old JP system before the 1996 uh, revolution, so to speak, there were 5,200 JPs in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Now each year there's an average of 520 district justices. So it's all become uniform. Oh, I see. Years ago in the old JP system, you could take, the policeman could take is the defendant anybody wanted to. The judge is going to help him out. It was called judgment for the plaintiff. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, now, now you're side uh, geographic areas. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Probably makes more sense, too, because of the... Well, they abide by it because uh, it was uh, years ago, it was a fee base. And if I, you're the judge I bring him to, you find him $20 and give me 10 of it. And, I see. There's no auditing of the books or anything else. Now uh -huh. we're state employees, so you're very closely audited. Right. And I see you were also a Volunteer Fireman of the Year award. That was back in, I believe, 68 or no, 78. 78. Uh, 80, you, uh, yeah, 67, you said. 67. Yeah. And you were, you've been involved in a number of other things here. Uh, you were uh, uh, Valley Forge Area Civic Association. How, did you start that? or did Yeah, we started that. It's not, in, it's not in force anymore, but we started that years ago. Yeah, we used to have a lot of uh, active civic associations. That's, that's the same time we, Valley Forge Acres is up off uh, Gulf Road before Kingswood Apartments. There's a whole series of split levels. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows where Valley Forge Acres is, but that's that's it. It's one of the smaller uh, developments in the yeah, area. Yeah, overall, but it's more intimate, more nicely placed. Yeah, it's up on the side of a hill up there? Well, yeah. it would be, uh, Near where the farm used to be, uh, Hanson, Hanson Nursery. Right. So that's area there. That was his area. Mm -hmm. There's quite a few homes there. We left there three years ago. I see. With your work with the, the Valley Forge uh, Acres, what were some of the, the projects you had associated well, with Valley Forge Acres? Get the streets plowed, get the lawns cut. Most everything that the neighbors would, any neighbors' complaints we tried to formulate and send to the supervisors. I see. Uh, any big projects they had at that time? No, we were not, weren't that big then. That big project. We wanted playgrounds. We got playgrounds finally. Uh -huh. You worked on that project. Huh? Yeah. Then uh, the um, when you had your when you had your uh, district court, uh, where did you hold court? Well, first building was the Kunda Sign Old Kunda Sign Company, right on the borderline of Bridgeport and Upper Marion. Uh, who's in there now? It's an empty house now. Pardon me? It's an empty house now. Oh, is it? They added a courtroom years ago, and aside to that, right, it's a rug, right next door to the rug uh, company. Can't think of their name. And then we moved to Henderson Road, where they are now. Uh, where are they located now on Henderson Road? 
right across from the mobile station there that uh, used to be uh, I forget what it used to be, it used to be a company out of uh, Conchahawken. You go out Henderson Road just before you get to uh, Shoemaker Road, it's right there. It's almost on the corner of Shoemaker and Henderson. Okay, I have an idea where you're talking just off of, of uh, uh, that would be what, uh, uh, South Henderson? Yes. South Henderson Road? I was first involved with the King of Prussia Fire Company, and I progressed from the King of Prussia Fire Company to the first assistant chief and chairman of the board of directors. And how many years did you serve with the, with the King of Prussia Fire Company? Well, I started very early on, and uh, sir, I've been a, I'm a life member. I've been a member for all that time. Active, I was probably 10 years active. Mm -hmm. And uh, as being an active member, you been, you been out and uh, chased down the fires? Yes, I progressed to a first assistant chief in okay. a couple of years. Yeah. Do you recall any specific incidences that were uh, more spectacular than others? As yeah, far? Grant's. Grant's fire? Grant's fire was, was my fire, so to speak, because it was in our venue and I was the president at the time. That was a Holocaust in that one yeah. building. What year was that, do you recall? I'm not too sure. I don't want to venture a guess, but it was somewhere in the late 60s, mm -hmm. early 70s. That was quite an event. And how many alarms was that? I don't know, but we had, uh, I remember Tom Sheen was chief engineer. Everybody was coming from all over, Paoli, Radner. Tom, who was a real good guy, got on the phone and said, don't rush, there's enough fire for all of us. You know? <laughs> so, so that was the biggest I had when I was in position. Huh? And uh, then, uh, uh, you were involved with uh, several of the other fire departments. I was involved with the Swedesburg Fire Company also. And how were you involved there? Well, I was administrative work, a little on-the-scene on, on fire, but mostly administrative work. Mm -hmm. I was president of that company for two years. Yeah. Uh, where is that located? Jefferson Street, in right, the, right on the borderline of uh, Bridgeport and Upper Marion. I see. And uh, is that a smaller unit than the... Uh, uh, when did that uh, first get... Uh, when did that first develop, do you recall? Well, I think there's, I know there's three fire companies in town. Sweden was the oldest, then Swedesburg, and then King. King was right after the war, World War II. But uh, as to dates, I'm not too sure. Swedesburg, Swedesburg and Sweden are more neighborhood fire companies. Mm -hmm. you, you, the fellows can walk to the fire, or run to the fire, right. as the case were. King of Prussia, vehicle after vehicle, because it was a melting pot of the whole township, and they had to drive to get to the fire. Right. When you say you're a life member of the fire department there, how's that achieved? That's not the... Uh, That's a meritorious service with a number of years in. I'm not sure what it is now, but the meritorious service, either firefighting or administrative, you're voted on by the directors and then you get your card to this life member. Right, life member. And I've gotten two, one from King of Prussia and one from Sweetsburg. Uh, this, this is something that uh, is not handed out uh, uh, very, very often, I would no, imagine. There are requirements. You were involved in some other things here in the, in the township at that time, too. Valley Forge Area Chamber of Commerce. Were you, you were involved in the, in the Chamber of Commerce at that no, time? No, I was selected as the recipient for 1977 as the Outstanding Citizen of the Year. Well, congratulations. What, um, and uh, what did they base that on? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Not being a member of the Chamber of Commerce, Commerce. got a call one day and said, you've been picked. So I went to the affair, mm -hmm. got a nice oil painting by Tommy McDonald. Right. When did you get married? June 19th, 1949. My wife and I were in the same high school, Kingston, New York, same graduating class. 
And I got discharged from the Army in 46. We started going together, and in 49, we got married. I see. See, I remember the day she's going to be watching this. Yeah. <laughs> you on your best behavior here. <laughs> what, uh, and you have, th I understand you have three boys? Three sons. Three sons. And uh, were, uh, were they born here in Upper Marion? Or were all they, of them. All of them. No, no, they were born in New York, excuse me. Oh, okay. All graduated Upper Marion. I see. And the, um, has your wife or your family uh, and your, or your boys been involved in any local politics or any local activities? No, only as it helped me. I see. Um, and your, your sons have moved out of the area, you were telling me. One lives in Phoenixville, one lives in uh, Upper Euclid, and one is in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. Your sons have moved out of the area, you were telling me. One lives in Phoenixville, one lives in uh, Upper Euclid, and one is in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. Well, actually, none of them were. The, the, the two of them are certainly not far away. You know, one is uh, just a moderate distance. In, yeah, in three, four, three hours in Alexandria, right yeah. outside of Washington. Yeah. He's that's, in the Library of Congress. That's great. That's great. I'm sure you're proud. We certainly are. Yeah. Were you involved in anything else during the 1970s? Well, it was young know, video basketball in the township and little league baseball. Mm -hmm. I was with the commissioner of little league baseball, and I was the director for the township of video basketball when we first started. Yeah, how'd you get involved in that? The township manager Paul Flynn was losing his director. I'm trying to think of the director's name. Anyhow, he asked me if I would fill in the year for the, and I did. They put me on the payroll of the township. Rodney Rodney Mott. Rodney Mott. <laughs> he was the he was the one that just left, and I replaced him for that one year. Well, I want to thank you, Don, coming with us today and talking about these uh, these things and uh, your experiences here in, in Upper Marion and King of Prussia. It's really been a pleasure to, uh, sitting down here talking well, to you. It'll be a pleasure to be here. That's it for this edition of Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and your host for this series of Upper Marion Township's Oral History. We're interested in your stories of Upper Marion and would like you to appear on our show. To be a guest, please contact us at the following information. Thanks for watching. Until next time and always, remember when.